All right. You guys can come take a seat. Good morning. I'll give you guys a moment. It's hard to know. You're like, do I want to sit? Do I want to stand? Good morning. Good morning. Hello, I'm Heidi, and we are on our third week in the book of Galatians. So in, I think, November, Jamie said, we're going to do a sermon series on Galatians. And I was, um, I was like, oh, I don't know if you've read Galatians, but I was like, if we're going to preach on Galatians, it's going gonna, it's gonna to actually take me to do a bit of, to join him, I'm going to have to do some studying. Because Galatians is a, is a book where I read it, and even though I've been through Bible school, and I've been, I'm like, I'm like ooh, uh, it's not easy to understand. There's some books of the Bible, like you're kind of, I'm more familiar with them. I've taken a class, and you think, oh, I got this. In Galatians, I was like, oh. I always read it, and I'm like, wow, I have more questions when I read Galatians than answers. Uh, Galatians is a book about freedom. It's a book about freedom. And so I just started thinking about freedom, just kind of let the idea sink into my heart, into my mind, uh, becoming pretty aware that our ideas of freedom are based on being an American and that sometimes, often, that the scripture idea of something like justice or freedom looks so different than what we were taught in school or what we're more familiar with those ideas being. So freedom was another one of those ideas where I realized that um, I, I had some work to do to learn. So the book of Galatians was written not to us. It was written a long time ago. It was written for us. And so that means in order to understand what it's saying for me, you have to do a little bit of a little bit of digging, a little bit of work. So Jamie called, has been calling this sermon series Traveling Light. Do you love that? Traveling Light. Freedom is traveling light. And yet in our world, we have sometimes created this Christian life that feels anything but light. Sometimes it feels heavier. It can feel that way to be a Christian than not, if we're just going to be honest. And so traveling light. I think I remember years ago that Audrey preached from Galatians. Did you not hear? And you taught, he's like, I don't even remember. But I remember him teaching that in Christ, that for each of the things that we come to, like how we live our life, what we drink, how we spend our money, what we watch on TV, that there's so much freedom and that we are responsible as Christians to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I remember being a a very good rule follower who grew up in the church being like, I know that's true. And that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Like I remember afterwards, after a sermon being like, I agree with everything that he said. And I grew up in a very rigid Christian school and that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I come to Galatians saying to you, I grew up in a very rigid private school and learning about freedom it's good for me. Looking at freedom is good for me. Um, 
So the first week, Jamie talked about the freedom and the traveling light. Last week, just following the text, he talked about the freedom to curse. And kind of a two-point, tongue-in-cheek, but we make up a lot of rules in the church. We do about what Christians are supposed to look like and not look like that maybe aren't even in the Bible. Um, not giving people a license to go out and curse and swear, but talking about we put chains on people. Like, you just want to be honest. If you go to Seattle and you go to church, they use, people use the S word a ton. Christians, like they just do. You go to San Francisco and Christians are going to use different, we look different by where we live. And a lot of times we say that we get it from the Bible, but we more get it from our culture. My summing up, kind of? And also what Paul used in this passage is really strong language. Really strong language. Because people were messing with what the gospel truly is. And he felt free to use super strong language to wake people up and get them to listen. So that's where we're at. This week is the freedom to change. <sighs> the freedom to change. And Paul teaches us this by telling us, his story, his story of change. Every Christian has a story. If you have come to Jesus, you have a Christian story. And each story is a good story. Your story is a good story, and it is not like anyone else's. It is a unique story. And it has to be worked out with your own history, with your own life, and with your own ambiguities, and it does not follow a formula. Paul teaches us by telling us his story, that the way we are changed by hearing people's stories, not by A, B, C, D. Do I believe that people were totally saved by the Romans road, if you've been around in the church? Yes. Do I think it has to be the Romans road? No. Do I think people were saved by methods that maybe like different ministries want to, you to learn, like university or crew? Yes. Does it have to be that way? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Paul doesn't give us a formula. He tells us his story. So we're going to go to the Galatians, and we will begin by reading his story. This is actually the fourth time in the New Testament that Paul's story has been told. The first three times were in Acts. So here is the fourth one. It's, I'm reading in Galatians chapter 1, if you want to read along, uh, verses 13 through 24. So Galatians 1, 13 through 24. And this is Paul. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God, and I was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of my same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, so that I might proclaim to him among the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia. And afterwards, I returned to Damascus. 
Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria and Caesarea, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I know we're not a, like, we're not a liturgical church. I just can't help it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so in this, Paul is not giving us a formula or a step-by-step. He's telling us his story. When we hear stories, we are reminded and we see evidence that we too can change. Uh, There's been a lot of talk recently in the church about stories. It's not a, a foreign concept to us anymore, but it's over and over again. When you hear someone else's story, you think, oh, I can do that. I can do that too. Um, when you see somebody else, you think, oh, I can also do that. Sometimes if you don't have a picture of something, you, you don't know what you could do. Uh, so we hear, and Paul tells us his story. Paul starts by telling us about his former life in Judaism. Jamie had talked about that last week. So he was a really, really religious person, right? He knew all the things up here in his head. He was zealous. He acted. He did the things. His behavior was spot on. He knew how to be the good kid. He knew how to look good. He knew all the things, and he had it done right. Religion for Paul was a matter of doing things and making things happen. Religion for him was doing things and making things happen. Sometimes we can slip into that, making things happen and doing things. I'm reading this book right now, and it is um, a compilation um, of a lot. So this Youth Institute, is that what it's called? The Youth Institute. So they went around and they interviewed teenagers all across the United States, hundreds of them that went to church. They didn't have to, they just were involved in their church. And they asked them these questions, what does it mean to be a Christian? To you, what would you say it means to be a Christian? And the answers were primarily, which is sad, but the answers were primarily that it was all around behavior. To be a Christian, these kids that are all in church are saying, is to be a good person. It's to be a good human being. It's to act correctly. That was by and far the largest answer if you ask these. It was middle school to high school is what it meant to be a Christian. The second one that came up in theirs was, which is the behavior, right? To do the things. The second one was to have the correct belief, right? That's what makes you a Christian if you have correct belief. And that's what they would answer. And very, very few students mentioned in their answers that it had something to do about relationship with Jesus Christ. Very few said that it had something to do about a relationship with God. Which is really sad. Because really, it is. 
Very few said, it is I believe and I accept that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I thought it's surprising and if you, if you haven't had a personal encounter with Jesus, like let's say you've never had that, and let's say you go to church your whole life and you're living there and you have never had your own personal like time with God, whatever that might look like. If you were looking in at us, wouldn't you think perhaps that it could be about behavior and belief until you've had that personal time with God yourself? So this is what this is for Paul. Paul had the behavior and he had the belief. And at this time, he's telling us about he's going to have a vision from God. And that is when it changes for him to relationship. As I was studying, I came across this quote from, um, from King Arthur, the story about Queen Arthur. And it was about this woman named Guinevere, if you're familiar with the storyline. This is what was said of Guinevere. She never cared for God. She was a good theologian, but that was all. Isn't that sad? She never cared for God. She was a good theologian, but that was all. I went to a university in Portland where they had a program for people to be pastors. And I met some of the students who were to be pastors, and I asked them something like, you must love God. And they're like, no. I was like, what? And they're like, no, we just thought it'd be a good job. I'm like, what? There were these, they were all men. They were young men at the school and saying, oh, I think it'd be a really good job. You get to study, you get to learn a lot of things, you get to help people. They are delusional, delusional. That is not what being a pastor is about. But I thought, how sad, right? Like if they're going to finish school and get up on a stage and be like, no, I just thought it'd be a good job. And I think before we're so quick to say, well, that's never me, just just look, maybe look at, maybe look at your heart. Maybe look at our heart. Um, so Paul, this is who Paul was. He was a very good theologian at that time. But that was all until, I love how he says this, but when God, who set me apart before I was born, called me by his grace, that's the part of his story that Paul wants you to hear. You're called by God's grace. It's not because of anything about you. God didn't call me because he thought, oh, she's really sharp. She's going to be great. No, he doesn't choose you because he thinks, oh, you're going to fit into my plan. God doesn't go, oh, you're going to be so perfect for what I have for you. He calls us by his grace because he called you before you were born. You're invited and the timing is his timing. It's not our timing. It's God's timing, and he calls you by grace. You are invited, and you have a choice. I love that about God. You have a choice. He's always inviting, and you have a choice. He says, by his grace, it means that God doesn't look around and choose us for our capacity to get the job done or to meet his purposes. I have a quote up here and by Eugene Peterson, and I want to read it to you. And I want you to, th to think, and I want you to process. And it's long, but he says things so well. And this is what I believe. I, 
And Eugene Peterson said, so, well, this is what Paul, this is what Jesus was saying. So Paul actually had like a vision, if you read in the Acts account, of Jesus, like a brief vision of Jesus. And Jesus was actually speaking to him. And he's saying, I'm the one that you're torturing. It's me. All right, sorry. I'm ready. Thanks. It's the projector. Okay. Oh, I can read it to you, but I feel like, all right. I'm going to read it to you. I'm so glad I brought the book. I'm going to read it slow, and I want it to, to sink in. So if you can read it up there, great. If not, I've got it. Listen, Paul, you have it all wrong. You have good ideas. Your theology is intelligent enough. Your sincerity is above reproach, but you have it all wrong. You think religion is a matter of knowing things and doing things. It is not. It is a matter of letting God doing something for you. Letting him love you. Letting him save you. Letting him bless you. Letting him command you. Your part is to look and believe. To pray and obey. For I, for a start, I am going to show myself to you in Jesus. In him you will see that what concerns me is being with you, making you whole. I love this line. In him you will see that I do not force my way, that I do not shout my will, in him you will see that the way in which I conquer evil is by submitting myself to it, receiving it into myself, and in that act, crucifixion. The power is evil, and salvation is accomplished. In him you will see that I do not force my way. Our part is to look and believe, pray, and obey. That's the grace Paul realizes here it is not about what he knows about God, but what God knows about him, what God wills and desires for him, and what God commands of Paul. This is where God goes from out here for Paul, like the doing and the head, to here. God is at the center now, not Paul. Paul's story is the Christian story. It's where you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And we begin to not live by what we know, but by trusting God, that God is for us. That God is for us. It's the Christian story. So right after this, Paul will read here. It says, I did not confer with any human being nor did I go to Jerusalem. So this is the next part in his story. But I went away into Arabia for three years. I don't think I ever realized before that Paul had this vision of Jesus, and then for three years he went off by himself. Like in my mind, Paul had the vision, and then Paul like started doing things. He started acting. He started living it out. But no, he went to Arabia. I'm like, well, what's Arabia? 
So I start digging in. It's the wilderness. It's the, do you remember the theme that we've been talking about of wilderness? The wilderness theme in the scripture is solitude and alone with God. Even though I was like, oh, even though Paul knew all the things, even though he had all the learning, he was not ready to live out his life with God because he had not been alone with Jesus. He had not been in solitude. It kind of matches like what the desert fathers and sisters would do. They would meet Jesus and they would go off and they would be by themselves for a time and they would be with God and they would learn to be with God. It takes time to let God be the center of your life. It takes time to learn how to live to be free. It's this both and when you look at it. When you come to Jesus and you have that, that whatever your vision, whatever your experience is with God, you are free. You have been set free. He says, you are free. He who this king sets free is free indeed. He who God sets free, you're free. And let's all be honest, we are free. And then we go and pick up our backpack and we stick it on our back and we stick it on our back. So we are free and we are learning to be free. We are learning to walk in grace and it takes time in solitude. We aren't used to living with God at the center of our lives and we need time to hear and to learn how to live by grace. We carry the voices of our peers we carry them with us. We are saturated with them. Facebook, Instagram, conversations. We are saturated by the voices of our peers, our parents, our family, and we have to get alone with solitude, with God, to learn how to live in freedom, to learn how to live in grace, in solitude. This is what you hear in solitude. You are loved. You are enough. You are forgiven. I am real. I am so near. And when we keep going through life without those moments of solitude, sometimes we forget and we lose sight of the freedom. A few hours set aside in a quiet room can be Arabia. You can have your Arabia. An hour of worship each Sunday can be Arabia. He says, I did not confer with flesh and blood. He didn't go off at first and talk with other people. He went and got alone with God. I went away to Arabia. I have a quote by Thomas Merton. And ironically, he's passed away. And he wrote it quite a while ago. And yet it still exactly pertains. Will it work now? All right, I got it. I'll read it. It still pertains to us and who we are. He says men, but it means humans. So women were included. The world of men has forgotten the joys of silence. The peace of solitude, which is necessary to some extent for the fullness of human living. If man is constantly exiled from his own home, that's your soul, locked out of his own spiritual solitude, he ceases to be a true person. He or she no longer lives as a human, not even a healthy animal. You live without joy because you have lost your spontaneity. 
He is no longer moved from within, but only from outside himself. He no longer makes decisions for himself. He lets them be made for him. He no longer acts upon the outside world, but let it act upon him. That is so deep. The time of solitude guides us into freedom and allows us to learn how to travel light. Now, after three years, Paul's story, he heads to Jerusalem to meet with Cephas, to meet with Peter, and he remained with him for 15 days. Uh, this is where it can be uh, super enlightening when you open up your commentaries and you read a little bit further. So the word visit here is super interesting. It means histories. So actually, when Paul and Peter sat down, and the colloquial, colloquial is what it says, is to sit down and swap stories. So they sat down, and Paul is telling him his story. Here's my story. This is the vision I had. This is what I experienced the last three years in Arabia. This is what I've heard from God. They told their story. And then Peter is telling his story, which would look so, so different. He's to tell him how he walked with Jesus, what it was like to be with Jesus, how Jesus called him from being a fisherman. They're so different in their callings. So when I looked at this, I was like, Paul was saved from a life of religion. Paul was saved from within the church. Peter was saved from without the church. And I thought, that's me. I was saved with, from within the church. I grew up knowing. I grew up learning. I grew up being a very good kid. I could do what you wanted, and I needed saved. <laughs> I needed saved from being like Paul. I can still fall into it, doing and behaving. And so instead, like, so I was like, oh, Paul, I get you. I get you. That's what I was saved from. That's when I had my vision, what I was called from. There is no model conversion. <laughs> I think in our Christian churches, we've glamorized a few people. We've glamorized a few stories. We've glamorized some Peters, and there's no formula to follow. God is the same. Salvation is the same, and each of us has our own individual story. Finally, after Paul had met with Peter, he was ready to go live with people. He's finally ready to go out and leave his isolation. No life of faith can be lived in isolation. The New Testament, the books are devoted to telling us how to live in community, how to love well, how to be a community of faith, because I think it's not easy. The books are devoted to telling us how to be together. With God at the center of your life, there's an overflow that goes to other people. It doesn't just stay with you. Paul's calling, this is Paul's calling, was to live out his life as a missionary, we each, that does not mean we are all called to be missionaries. We each have our own calling. When you go away and you hear from God, he tells us, this is who you are. This is who I created you to be. And it works out, the overflow comes in the everyday moments of your life. I think sometimes we want our Christian life to be about those big, holy moments. And it's about the everyday, those quotidian things you do every day, those moments for God. 
as we learn to live out the moments in your house, loving your family when you're tired, loving your spouse when you're exhausted, loving the people you work with, showing Jesus when they're not showing it back at you. Those are the moments where we learn how to, to freely love. Today, I was thinking as we end, um, I want to share with you the things I hope you, hope you remember from Paul's story. And maybe as you read it on your own, they'll come to your mind. Um, Paul, Paul was one way. And then he had a vision of Christ, and he had the freedom to change. I've heard people say that people don't change. Have you heard people say that? People don't change. They don't change. And I think as a Christian, that's not true. I think it's believing a lie because people do change. It can be slow, and they have to be willing, but we do change. It doesn't mean that often when I go to my spiritual direction with my spiritual director that the same things don't come up. That would be like a, be a lie to say that the same things don't come up. But I am changing. Subtly and slowly we change. And Paul changed. And I think also from Paul's story that we see that sometimes it's a dramatic reversal at times when we come to God that people can change. And God went from the periphery. I think this is the call, is that when you meet God in your heart, it can go from out here to God being at the center of your life. Paul was invited by God's grace, and so are you. You're invited by God's grace. And just like Paul needed time in Arabia, the wilderness, he needed time of solitude to learn how to live in the rhythm of grace. So do you. So do I. And the wilderness in the Bible is time alone with you and God alone. And the story, we need to share our stories. Share your story with people. Not a formula, not some steps. Tell them what God's done in your life. Share your story what he's done in you, what the shifts are in you, how he saved you. And then we learn to live out freedom in the hidden moments. It's kind of the word that God dropped in my heart for this year, hidden. How do you follow me in the hidden places of your heart? Follow me where no one else can see. Hear the kids? Follow me in the hidden. It's been the word that's been dropped, hidden. Follow, follow me there. We live in a world where Christians look pretty, we ought to look pretty different. But it's not a set of rules to lay on you. It's so that you can live free. I don't think the world travels light right now. I think they travel heavy. And I would be lying to say that I'm not tired, but there's an invitation each day to set that down again and to live differently. So I'm going um, to end our time today. And I think as I was praying this week, I wanted, I, I wanted to invite you. I wanted to invite you to say yes to Jesus. If you've been in the church and you've lived your whole life 
and you thought the answer was it's about behavior, if you thought it was about like being a good human being and getting it right, or you thought this whole thing that we're doing is about believing the same, getting it right, I wanted to tell you today that it's, it's about an encounter with Jesus. And I know that you can grow up in the church for a long time or your whole life and not have had that encounter. I think the time I had mine when I was 16, I'd been in the church for quite a while. So I want to pray and I want to offer that today. You could say yes in your heart. Yes, Jesus. Um, and then for those of us who, like, I've, I've said yes. Maybe there is something that spoke to you today. Maybe something about Arabia. Maybe about sharing your story. Just trust. So um, we often close with a question at the end. And I realized the second time in a row, I didn't have one ahead of time. I'm sorry. Hmm. As you're quiet today in your heart and we take a moment to pause, was there a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to you or prompted your heart? So take a moment and listen. Was there an invitation from God? Is there something that you don't want to forget? Like the one thing as I move through this week, God, that I want to remember I don't want to forget is... God, I thank you for the joy of our children upstairs laughing and playing. May we remember how to move through this world with their joy and to travel light, to really accept your freedom and to offer that to one another. May we remember what you've put on our hearts today. God, I pray for anyone here today who's experienced you as in this, as being a Christian about just believing right or just thinking right or behaving like a good human being. God, I pray that they'd encounter you. Jesus, may they, may they encounter you. May they never be the same. Be with us, Father, as we go this week. May we desire more of you than we did before. May we hunger for you in a way that we didn't even know we could. I thank you for this time. Thank you for this time to worship with your people, to lift you high, to set our eyes on you, to be in an Arabia for an hour with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, next time I preach, you won't be wearing masks. Yes. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is when all you get are eyes and bright lights. You're like, I assume someone out there is listening to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the doxology. Okay. All right. You have to sing really loud with me.
because I'm not the singer woman. <laughs> so stand with me. And we're going to close in the doxology. Oh, look at that. That worked. Let's see. Now I feel pressure. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You guys sound amazing. Thanks for singing loud. <laughs> God be with you. God be with you. And I will see you next week. Thank you.